Welcome to Clean Break, the weekly divorce podcast. We share the stories and experiences of divorce professionals. Find all the answers about the many complex questions about divorce and separation at divorcenet.ca. Hi, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us again on uh, today's podcast. I'm very excited. We have a great guest. My name is Darren Javag, and I'm here today with Tina Murray again, my co-host of the show. Hello. Tina. Hello, Darren. Uh, yes. You can't wait to get in and say I something. Know. It's like I'm <laughs> chomping at the bit. Come on, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Clean Break. We are so excited to have you join us here today. And we have a really interesting guest, as we always do. I'm really excited to to uh, introduce Melissa, and I'm going to try not to botch your last name, Lafreniere. That's great. Woo! <laughs> she is a mediator and a psychotherapist uh, and works with collaborative divorce family for professionals with a company called Alt Divorce. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I feel really lucky to be with you guys this morning. So I'm eager to get started. Awesome. So I guess we'll just tell us a little bit about yourself and and your and just a couple of minutes or a minute or so about your journey to where you are today with your business. Okay, so um, I'm Melissa, obviously, and I found myself in this situation uh, simply by being a product of divorce. My family went through a divorce, wasn't good. And I swore to myself, I would never have that happen to me. And then lo and behold, it happened to me. Um, so what I realized was that a lot of these patterns sometimes duplicate themselves in families. And so I was really, really drawn to helping parents and helping people kind of recover from that so they could be better for their kids. And if there were no kids, they could be better in, in another relationship. Um, so I took all of my skills and clinical training in child psychology and family work and kind of applied that to helping people navigate uh, their divorce experience and prioritizing their kids. Cause sometimes that's really hard to do when you're trying to rebuild your own life. Um, so that's, that's kind of where, what brought me to today. That sounds really amazing. Quite yeah. a journey. Yeah. yeah. I always yeah. like dealing with this type of uh, conversation because quite often we deal with the numbers, mm -hmm. we deal with the, the assets or yeah. the, you know, like real estate mortgages. These are like things, right? Yeah. But um, I've always been intrigued about the um, psychological side, yeah. you know, the mm -hmm. therapy side and the, cause if you can't get better as a person, right. Um, the assets you have are irrelevant, right? right? You just mm -hmm. got to get better as a person and live a better life. So yeah. I've always admired people that do what you do. Um, oh, thank you. It's, it's wonderful work. I've been doing it for a really, really long time. And I love it from working with the kids to, you know, helping out their parents and finding ways for them to even work together um, post separation, because that's what really makes the difference for kids in the long run. Right. So primarily, do you focus on, on the child aspect of the divorce? Yes. So when there are children involved and I receive, you know, a request or a referral, then I am 100% child centric. Um, so what does that kid need to do well and thrive long after your settlement's been reached? And how, as parents, can I help orient you to that and give you the skills to support your kids? Because um, it's my philosophy that parents are the most influential people in a kid's life, right? They might see me for an hour every two weeks. It might make a difference for a kid to have another connection, but the parents are going to be doing the bulk of the heavy lifting. So I work a lot with them to, to increase their skills during really difficult times so that their kids are, are prioritized. One of the things you said before we went to air was um, feelings drive divorce. Mm -hmm. 
Can you address that with us? Um, so it's been my experience, uh, even as a kid watching some of this conflict and that it seems to kind of go on and on and on because somebody feels slighted or there's been a moral injury and they, they that's not resolved for them. So it kind of keeps coming up in every interaction. And sometimes that spills over onto the kids. And even in my own experience, you know, I went through a more traditional divorce where I would read affidavits and I would be like, oh my God. Um, so you would get fired up, right? And so that kind of fuels uh, that conflict as opposed to finding ways to keep it all kind of under control and future oriented um, because I think people do better that way um, when they're not angry, they've resolved that issue and that hurt and they've grieved that loss because, uh, you know, divorce is one of those things right under divorce or right under death is one of the most stressful things to do or to go. So. Now, now you work with the kids, but do you work collectively with the, everyone as a group? Like, do you like isolate, let's say mom and dad and, and, uh, or, or let's call it spouse and spouse and, <laughs> and child, like, do you isolate people and work one-on-one -on -one with them or do you work with them as a group? If, if we can do family therapy, if, if people are agreeable to that, then we'll, we'll try that. Um, otherwise, we try to address the concerns in each household. Um, mm. so it is the constant. I get to know the child really, really well. And I also do voice of the child reports for people. So I really get to know the kids well. And then I'm able to bring that information back to the parents and say like, hey, they're really struggling with this. These are some ideas. Um, and a lot of times the parents are, they feel like they really know what's going on with their kids, but kids have a really unique way of downplaying their experiences because they can see, wow, there's lots going on. I don't want to add to that. So being able to bring that voice out for each parent and help them in their new households manage, I think is, it works great when, when that's what we have to do. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I think I more think people so. need to be doing that. Even I, even if you're getting along, mm -hmm. um, I think that's brilliant because I think many times kids mask their emotions. Absolutely. They're trying to be strong for their parents or whatever, mm -hmm. and they're they're you know pushing it down, mm -hmm. and that comes out right. And, and they see even though the the parents may have an amicable separation, mm -hmm. they still see what happens inside those homes where a parent may be sad or angry, but not wanting to, they, kids see that, they pick up on it, they know it, right? There's, kids in my experience are so attuned to like nonverbal communication and are very intuitive little people. Yes. So you, know, you might say, oh no, I think your dad's great. But every time you read a text, your eyes roll or there's a heavy sigh or you have to like leave the room. Um, they are aware of all of it. So they will always pay attention to what you do versus what they what what you say. Right. I'm so insightful, eh? oh. you, you don't you don't realize your cues. Right. Yeah. I mean, we all do it normally just with our regularly and we're not going through divorce, you know, like, yeah. I mean, we're just uh, expressing ourselves. So yeah, that's amazing. Or even like you'll get a text and you'll be like, oh, and you'll put it to the side. That kid knows, you know, you left their dad or their mom on red, right? And you're not going to go back. Um, and, you know, that's all respectful behavior that you could be modeling, even though you don't like someone, you can still be respectful and civil. Mm -hmm. I like to call it grocery store civility, like what you would, your chit chat with the cashier about their day and like <laughs> as bagging your groceries, like you should be able to give that to your former spouse. Right. Um, yeah. Even so when you work through your process, uh, I have a few questions about it. Um, you, you do, you do co-parenting agreements, right? So you work on that through mediation as well? That's correct. Okay. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. 
So um, when there is uh, difficulties or sometimes lawyers just prefer not to do it because they don't have the skills or the expertise, they'll refer for parenting mediation. So uh, myself and the parties will draft their parenting plan, um, which obviously needs to be revisited often because kids grow and their needs change. So um, we sit down, we draft some initial agreements, and then we set review dates, um, you know, when, when the child hits different developmental milestones to come back and review. And we work together. Um, I take a little bit of a different style. Some mediators are completely hands off, uh, but I think people who work with parenting mediators want the knowledge of like developmental stages and like appropriateness. So I do offer them some ideas um, and give them tons of resources so that they're educated around what is in the actual best interest of the child, not what maybe they would like to think is in the best interest of their child. It's interesting because, you know, you hear of mediation in a divorce or a separation, but you don't actually, I've never heard of, parenting mediation and I, I think it's absolutely brilliant really mm -hmm. because you know we have mediators to discuss you know how to divide assets and how to do this and how to do that but and, and you know what the law says about mm -hmm. what you need to do with your children yeah but this is something about not really what the law says but what is best for the children and I, I it's brilliant it, it really is yeah, I, I think so too, which is why I was so drawn to it. Um, because, you know, in my experience, you know, when I was going through that as, as a parent with two small children, I was like, okay, we'll try to work this out as best we can. I would have loved to have somebody who could have sat down with us and said, this is what actually based on research and evidence is developmentally what your kid needs. Um, and this is why you guys need to figure out how to provide it. I have a ton of respect for, for lawyers and what they do and putting things together. Mm -hmm. I find sometimes many, like people fall short of looking or finding the right advice for everything. And that's a big reason why DivorceNet was started, right? It was because people were looking for, you know, the whole picture, not just everything's all about just talking to the lawyer, mm -hmm. right? So I, I hear stuff like this and I think this, this should be mandated. Yeah. It should be mandatory to do stuff like this before you even sign your, your separation agreement. Yeah. Done, right? yeah. Something like this. And I mean, even, even if it's not an adversarial style of divorce, right? Even if it's a quite amicable, it's still, it's just, even if it's like one once kind of thing, right? Just sort of a, a, a like a very basic overview of what is in the best interests of the children not again not just legally mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. like I think that that is it, it, yeah it's, it's and having a resource like yourself yeah. to be able to say okay even like you said even if it's a broad stroke right when you hit that kind of wall and something happens instead of just trying to figure it out yourself yeah having a resource like yourself to say oh I remember this broad stroke during our divorce I should yeah. call Melissa to say how do I deal with this? Right. Yes. right. So, yeah. yeah. No, and I agree. And one one question that I have parents ask themselves, and I, I didn't come up with this, I stole it, but it's genius, is to ask themselves, you know, what type of kid do you have? Do you have a dandelion that can grow anywhere, can roll with every punch? And I mean, you could put a dandelion anywhere, it'll grow like crazy, right? Or do you have an orchid, which is very particular, needs perfect conditions. Um, and I think those are really important things to consider when you're trying to figure out how you're going to parent your kid in two homes. 
Um, and I think most um, most parents can do that just knowing their kids. Yeah. You're like, oh, they know. Yeah. I know right away which one my kids are. You know, yeah. I've got both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got both powers. Yeah. You know. But then, how do you? Let's say you do have both, and you're trying to make one parenting plan for two children. How do you do that? Right. Mm. What's going to work for one may not work for the other. Um, so are you going to, are they going to be a unit all the time? Or are you going to plan for them individually? Like those are, those are hard things to think about when you're already so emotional because your life is completely upside down. Well, it's hard to plan even in a, in a married couple, right? Like you have distinctly different personalities of children, like in my own home, you know, I have one child that, you know, we tiptoed around for many years and everybody learned to do that. Right. Um, and, and the, the other children saw that. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh yeah. You give this one, you know, and, and yet you yell at me, but you're like, Oh, oh nice and friendly. Oh, look at you. You just packed a hole in the ball. Good for you. you know? It's okay. It's okay. Whereas if the other ones had punched a hole in the wall, I'd have been like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, do you have cameras in my house? <laughs> yeah. We left the hole in the wall for many years as a visual reminder and just recently patched oh. it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. What your Brent. <laughs> no, one of the other kids. <laughs> but I also think it's important, like, imagine if, if you were separating from your partner and they had a really strict, like, heart, heavy-handed approach to that, right? Right. Mm. What kind of dynamic would that create and what type of friction would that cause between you guys now as co-parents if he views or she views the other person as weak or as, you know, not strict enough or like caving all the time, right? So you've yeah. got two different parenting styles that emerge when you separate. And if you're separating, you're probably not agreeing. Um, so that doesn't get better post, right? Now the incentive to get along is gone because you don't have to sleep next to them any, any night. So it's like, eh whatever i'll do what i want yeah so, i hear that i hear that quite a bit actually from from people who like clients that'll say you know um that they have a certain parenting style and then and then they'll hear from their kids why can't you be more like oh yeah the other parents Dad. you know because yeah. when i'm there i can do i can stay up until one in the morning and play my xbox and blah 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 where mm -hmm. i hear i come here and then the, then there's pressure on the parent to kind of adapt to the way the other parents doing it mm -hmm. right so mm -hmm. big time tough stuff man it's tough so yeah. let me ask you another question um um, um melissa uh, um i sorry i had a bit of a moment there on my mind uh <laughs> What would you say are the are the biggest stumbling blocks when you're working through this? Like, what are the, what are some of the real problems that you find when you're going through mediation with with parents? Uh, probably people's readiness to mediate. Okay, you got to be ready to sit down and really talk about these issues. And I think there needs to be some space between emotionally when your relationship ended to then trying to plan for your future. Um, I've seen people show up who agreed to separate like two months ago and one of them is raring to go because they want out and the other one's devastated. Well, that's really not equal. That's not really fair in terms of like a balance of power. Um, so definitely readiness uh, to, to go through the process is really, really important. And I screen for that. If I think people aren't ready to talk about this, I might give them some ideas and some resources on how to prepare them to come back. Uh, you definitely get something more sustainable and productive if people are at least similar in place um, to, to kind of finalize these things. Yeah. Now, there, there, I believe there's a, um, there's different mindsets, right? Because I remember when I was looking at the streamlined process, I guess there's like, like, and I don't know if this is applicable to uh, mediation, uh, but 
from what I've seen is there's, there's like four or five different stages of grief that yeah. people go through. Yeah. Are, are, like, is that something that, that you're aware of? Yeah. yeah. So that is the, I think it's Kubler-Ross uh, stages of grief. And that's more around death and dying. Mm -hmm. A relationship has died. So there is a grieving process and people do move through those stages. And I think people try to solve their problems when they're in the anger stage. Right. So super yeah. mad, fired up. They feel like life has totally ripped them off. And now they're trying to negotiate with the person who they feel has, has injured them. And that's really, that's hard to get anything productive done when, right. when you're there. Man, you don't deal with that sort of process. You're, you're more with the parenting children part of this process, correct? Well, that I think is what makes me a little bit different is because I'm like, I'm a professional therapist and I can walk people through that grief and loss. Uh, if people bring, to, bring a parenting mediation file to me, it's hard for me not to bring that into the room and ask those type of questions. When people ask me to help them navigate their divorce, like in more of a coaching role, we definitely are talking about that and trying to have that individual like mini therapy, but it's much more short term to kind of get them through those, uh, those emotional hurdles so that they can make better decisions for themselves in their future. Right. So with alt divorce, your role is, is, um, to act as the therapist, but also partial mediator. That's and right. then you refer the legal stuff to the rest of the team that yeah. you work with, the, yeah. the lawyers. Okay, that makes a lot of sense yeah. to me, right? Because yeah. it's hard for any professional to wear all the hats. You just can't, right? You can't. Sometimes though, I can sit in on like, a, if, if, it seem, if I know, because I know the people that finances are going to be a thing, then they might invite me to support them through their financial mediation. So if it looks like it's going off the rails because one person thinks they deserve X and the other person thinks it's Y, we can actually have a side chat and, and talk about those feelings in the moment. Um, I practice from a trauma-informed perspective. So I try to share that with any professional that I work with so that you know we're seeing things similarly it's not just resistant behavior there's something that's happening for them that's that's creating barriers uh, so you know sometimes I'm invited to sit in on those more legal meetings to kind of help with those temper those emotions so that they can be productive would wow. you would you say it's sorry no, 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 it's great. No. <laughs> would you say it's common to have um, uh, couples in the same room for the for not just your process, but the legal process, or is it is it more common to have the, like the person there by themselves mm -hmm. so that they feel there's no pressure to yeah. you know not ask certain questions? Right. So when I screen for power imbalances, because I do that as part of every intake, what I'm actually looking for is what type of process does this couple need? Can they be in the same room? Are they comfortable? Do they agree? And if they don't, then I'll just shuttle it. So I'll be the person that moves back and forth or if on Zoom, we'll go between the break rooms. And sometimes that's how it has to be because looking at the other person and seeing their nonverbals incites, you know, resistance or anger or frustration. And you know your spouse, right? You know what that look means, even if they're, if they're saying something different, right? So when, when it's not appropriate, we just separate them and uh, the mediators will go back and forth. Um, now it is your collaborative divorce family professional. Talk to us a little bit about that sort of piece, the collaborative okay, divorce so professional. 
Um, collaborative law is is a bit different than where your more traditional adversarial process where everybody, all the professionals have been collaboratively trained and we all sign the same agreement to work towards a, a settlement. Um, it's a settlement driven process. So uh, what's different about that is that we everyone at the table agrees we're not going to court. So we're in it to settle. Um, and if, if that can't happen, then it gets referred to more uh, more traditional lawyers. So my role within that structure is essentially like coaching and parenting mediation, where I would be the family professional or the child specialist that comes in to kind of temper the feelings, um, very much similar to what an enhanced mediation process at Alt Divorce might be, but without two lawyers. It's just one mediator. Right, right, right. Because I think that's one thing that many people have a hard time wrapping their brains around when they're going through divorce is how many different ways mm -hmm. or how many different processes there are, mm -hmm. you know, uh, starting at the very, you know, first, which is um, uncontested. You know, you walk in, you get a rubber stamp and Bob's your uncle, you're at the door. And then for people to try to wrap their minds around uh, streamline process, collaborative yeah. process, mediation, and then getting to the other side of that. I think the first thing I always hear is price. The first thing they oh, talk man. about is money. How much is it going to cost me? Yeah. And, and then it's a conversation about, you know, but where are you as, as a couple, right? Like, are you getting along? Mm -hmm. uh, can you even speak to the person? Right. And if you can't, that kind of elevates you up that ladder uh, to the mm -hmm. adversarial process. Mm -hmm. Right. So they want, both yeah. <laughs> they want no cost and they want, yeah. they yeah. want to have it all. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it, it's funny that you say that because I was speaking with someone the other day around the, that exact thing. And you know, when people are planning a wedding, most people throw this huge party, it costs thousands and thousands of dollars. They'll spend like three grand on their dress and that's okay. Cause it's party. Um, but now on the flip side to that, they all of a sudden are like, I'm not spending a dime more than I need to. Um, because you'll pay for the, you'll pay for the start, but you don't want to pay for the end. And the end is what actually is going to set you up to determine what the next phase of your life is going to look like. Right. Yeah. So true. Um, you know, I, I, you know, just sort of thinking about what you do with the kids and stuff like that, it kind of almost seems like it's something you should do before you have children, <laughs> right? How, speak yeah. with a, oh you know, a parenting mediator, just, just to- Before you have kids. <laughs> before you have kids, no, seriously. It, it, think about it for a second, right? If you and your spouse are completely different, like my husband and I joke, he'll say black, he'll just say black and I'll just say white. Because we are like polar opposites, which is probably why we've been married so long, mm -hmm. because we are polar opposites, right? But I'm thinking, wow, and, and we, we, we do agree a lot on our children. And sometimes we don't, but mm -hmm. man, wouldn't that be a really cool thing? Some people make it mandatory. All right, so let's let's we're gonna wrap up the show. I, I I'm like a squirrel. Sorry, <laughs> Melissa. No, no, that's what makes the show fun. I tell you, we're gonna wrap things up though because we like to keep it uh, uh, short, uh, up to about twenty minutes. Uh, why don't you share with people how they can get a hold of you, Melissa? Okay, so uh, you can go to altdivorce.com and you'll be able to find me under the services page and check out the bio and see if it's a good fit for you. Um, and then I'd be happy to answer any questions just with a phone call. 
Great. And we're going to also add a link to uh, contact you through DivorceNet. DivorceNet is the site for all the divorce professionals that work together. And hopefully uh, they'll learn more about you, listen to your listen to your podcast. Maybe we can maybe we can coach you into or convince you to write a couple blog posts for us and yeah. uh, talk a little more about it. I'd be and, happy. Uh, and hopefully some people will reach out to you that way. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, I appreciate the invite and it was lovely to chat with you guys. Have a great day. You too. You've been listening to Clean Break, our weekly podcast on divorce. You can find this and other great advice from divorce professionals at divorcenet.ca, where we upload audio, video, and blog content every week. Divorcenet.ca, clear and simple divorce advice from trusted local professionals.